All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Oh, boo would be the worst. Have you ever been booted? No, my dad has been. Yeah. And he just like was just running inside for a second, and this guy booted his car, and he was like, "You were just waiting Ugh. for someone to pull in here." Like, well, that's sometimes the case. It's, yeah. it's definitely the case with like meter cops who just hang around and and they know you're about to expire in 11 minutes, so they just like walk the block. Right. I know. Wait that 11 minutes. What a pain. I know. How's Bro. your week going so far? It's early in the week. It's going well. Yep. Yeah. Feeling good. Good. Yep. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, we stopped doing one of our big promotions. So I just feel like I've got way more time and I'm like way less. I feel like my attitude has kind of done a 180. <laughs> Were you starting to suffer from a poor attitude? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Just really being like, oh, God. Like, yeah, it was. it was getting to like. I didn't know what I was going to have to do about it. I was like, is, is it the gym? Am I going to have to like change my diet? Do I need to like, you know, structurally do something different with my day? No. I'm impressed that you can acknowledge when there's something off about your temperament and look within and oh. decide what it might be that you could improve upon. Because most people don't take accountability for when they're being snotty. Right. Myself included. I can probably grow in that No, but, but well, I couldn't figure out how to fix it. I was just like, okay, this is making me so angry right now. And I cannot take my mind off of how angry I am. Yeah. It was like that. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better mm. as we head into these fall months. And are you? How are you? How's your week going? Uh, okay. Good. Good, I guess. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yesterday was a weird day. <clears throat> this uh, is being released on Wednesday. We record on Tuesday. Uh, yesterday was a bizarre day to be telling silly stories about pumpkin spice pizza. Sure, and, yeah. You know, just because of the you know the shootings and Tom Petty's. Well, the Tom Petty thing was like a. It was almost an interesting cautionary tale for media people in general. Because like four o'clock, it comes out yep. that the night before, Tom Petty is found unconscious and yep. without a heartbeat in his home. He's rushed to the hospital, and things aren't looking good. Right. And so for the next hour, I'm sitting in the studio just refreshing Google News. Yeah. Waiting for some reputable news source, somebody besides some random blog, right. to confirm Tom Petty has died. So that I can then announce it as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And 5, 5.30, CBS News announces, yes, the LAPD confirmed Tom Petty has passed away. And so within minutes, I go on the air and say, hey, the LAPD confirmed that Tom Petty has passed away. And within the next hour, every other major news source is reporting the same. By 7 o'clock, and by the time my show's done, mm -hmm. the LAPD has come out to say, hang on, we confirmed nothing of the sort. Tom Petty's not doing so great. But uh, he but is still alive. Yeah, he is still hanging on for dear life. Yeah, there's a pulse. And then he died around one o'clock last night. So, oh wow, because yeah, even last night at like eight o'clock, I met up with some friends and I was like, Do you, "You guys heard about Tom Petty, right? How he's in like critical condition?" They're like, "No, he's dead." Yeah, no, they I was were like, wrong. "You sure?" They were, <laughs> but but it's perfectly reasonable that they thought that because right, every cause that's res what every reported. respectable news source. I mean, to their credit, they were just going off of CBS News and going, well, CBS News has got it right, so yeah. we must have it right, too. But it's a, it's a lesson in these times where truth seems to be embattled in the media, yep. where being first is apparently more important than being correct. Mm -hmm. 
Did did you see Tom Petty when he was in Halifax? I've never seen him, no. No? Uh, I love Tom Petty, though. Yeah. I was yeah. happy I got to see him in Bonnaroo. I missed him in Halifax, and I got to see him at Bonnaroo. And it was like, you know what? This is really awesome. I'm super hungover, but I'm here at this Tom Petty concert. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to awesome. sound like I'm just kind of still in the cloud of grief. Because it's right. not like he's like... He's probably not my top five artist ever, but I definitely mm-hmm. had a Tom Petty phase. Totally. Um, I still think he's probably one of the top 10 great pop songwriters of all time. Sure. Yeah. Easily. So so it's a rough one. People seem to be pretty down about it. And then, you know, to to throw that on top of the fact that yesterday was just a sad day. Anyway. Right. And then people started saying, you can't, like, why does everyone care so much about Tom Petty? Like, we should be acknowledging. It's like, okay, well, whatever, you know. I just everything's I, yeah. I can't subscribe to the idea that we didn't know these people in person, so should we we shouldn't be sad that they're dead. Right. You can be sad about any death you want. Yeah. That's that's what death is. Yes, you're totally right. Hey, but since our last podcast recording, Hugh Hefner died also. Yeah, that's the one that it kind of like oh that sucked. <laughs> really? I mean, I don't know. It just like I remember watching Doc ninety one. Yeah, I know, but uh, it's just one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I I actually had that that reaction more to. Uh, Tom Petty, but I just kind of forgot about the Hugh Hefner one. Yeah. So it's like I'm being reminded, like, oh, yeah, Tom, or fucking Hugh, Hugh Hefner. Hefner died. Well, it's too bad. And, I mean, I don't know where, I, where I'm expected to stand on Hugh Hefner. Uh, Hugh, well, yeah, Hugh Hefner's like a, a big dude for, like, the uh, sexual rights and freedoms of, I mean, not even sexual rights and freedoms, but also like like gay rights. Like he was, he took a he big was an ad, stand. He was an early advocate for transgender rights. Yeah, I with guess the, with the magazine too. But, but I know he, what, like he also helped to create a culture of objectifying women. That's which true. I mean, a culture that existed already, but he kind of uh, gave way to that normalization. You're right. You're right. I, and I, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. But. I don't I think, think he enslaved Playboy bunnies, but there was I, definitely. I, like, I think he's a complicated figure. I think if you watch the documentary, you'd be like pretty interested. To you could watch the documentary, or you could watch the biopic that's already in production. Right? Was it already in production? Nope. Because, oh, they've God. just Brett Ratner's making this movie. He's just decided Brett Ratner, and they've already cast Jared Leto to play Hugh Hefner in the biopic. Oh man, <laughs> I feel like it'd be more of a Jew law. Jude Law's cool. I like that. Uh, I like that casting better. And yeah. Jude Law's been quiet lately. Totally. I kind of feel a little bit inundated with Jared Leto since he won the Oscar. I know. Not because he's in everything, but like when you see well, him, he's on, gonna be in like Blade Runner too. He's in Blade and... Runner. Well, when you see him, you're good for a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about Jared Leto. Yeah. And I also think like, I mean, I I, I won't discredit his performance in Dallas Buyers Club because it was really good. But mm-hmm. I think maybe giving him that Oscar has like almost normalized Jared Leto, which right. is unnecessary. Yes. Because he's not a master thespian. He's no. also like uh, a, a known uh, uh, method actor. Oh, really? So imagine why he'd want to play Hugh Hefner. <laughs> I don't know. I lived in the Playboy Mansion for three months, and uh, it was really hard on me. <laughs> <laughs> what conflict did Hugh Hefner come up against? I don't know a lot about his history, but it seems like he was a pretty successful, like, non-conflicted person. Yeah, I think he had a certain charisma about him in a lot of situations where he... But he, I don't think there was ever any... You know, I think he kind of had, he had a little headquarters and didn't get out from it much my point is though there needs to be some conflict in this film for it to be good at all right how many children did he have i don't think over four 
four is not so bad. No. I mean, you got to think he, he kind of learned a lesson at one point. But there's... <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. He probably has been... Because how, how many wives did he have? Oh, God. Many. Like he... <laughs> His current widow, the woman who was married to him when he died, was like 31 or something. Really? Isn't that like incredible? That is so crazy. Yeah. I don't mean incredible, good or bad. I just mean stunning. Like, wow. Right. He continued to just... It was the legend. I mean, yeah. this woman is obviously... I mean, I don't want to judge her, but she's obviously indoctrinated into the philosophy that it is an honor to be to be married Hugh Hefner's to Hugh Hefner. wife. But that's she, all it is. She didn't have a baby with him, did she? I have to imagine he's been tied off for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, yeah, I read an interview I think with one of his sons a few years ago. Yeah, I find the whole thing very fascinating. Like, anytime Hugh Hefner comes up, I want to know about it. I'm not like like I'm super curious about his life and his children and what they were like and so somebody else now owns the playboy mansion because last year it was sold okay under the condition that the new owner isn't allowed to take ownership until hugh hefner dies wow so it was a good buy so basically he wanted to meet the next owner of his home right and do we know who that is yeah yeah some uh silicon valley billionaire wow yeah that would be a weird that should be a show. That should be Silicon Valley next season. It would be interesting, wouldn't it? Just to like to go down to the grotto and be like, oh, <laughs> the stories these Come these on, cave ladies. walls would tell if well, they Well, like, could. do they still have the... Play- <laughs> Just picture him buying the Playboy Mansion with the Playboy, like, bunnies yeah. there as well. I don't know. I have to imagine... <laughs> I have to imagine you are a sexual deviant of some kind if you want to live there. You yeah. have some kind of perverted tendencies. Mm-hmm. If you have any inclination to live in the Playboy Mansion, also like how much bleach do you think they used in exactly. there before they? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Oh yeah. boy. Oh, also sad news. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus has breast cancer. Oh God! I didn't, didn't know see that. that. Came out the day after we released last week. Crazy. She, she made a really sad Instagram post about how I think it was one in eight, or maybe it's one in five. It's a startling number of women will get breast cancer, and she's like, "Today I'm that one." Wow. And so it kind of shines a little light on why they would wrap up Veep yeah. when it still seems to be doing quite well. Sure. So that's pretty sad. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Didn't know about that. Um, any other uh, big ent news? Big entertainment news. Oh, uh, okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about Saturday Night Live. Did you watch? I watched uh, up to Weekend Update. I watched the first sketch after Weekend Update, which was this like black and white old movies kind of sketch where A.D. Bryant plays a chicken okay. who is harboring the fugitive that is Ryan Gosling, and they're also in love. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. Nice. <laughs> Overall, I mean, of what I've seen, good show, except yeah. he breaks like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and almost, yeah, Jen and Jen loved it. Like every time he broke, she's like, oh, "I just love it when he's laughing." Oh, she she buys into the Ryan Gosling thing. She I'm buys, not judging her by she, the way. She buys into the people laughing thing. I think so. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. It's just it is kind of more enjoyable if it happens at least once per episode. Well, and it's okay if it's a if it's a the guest host who you don't really associate with comedy. Yeah. Like as we've as we've learned through Ryan Gosling. He actually is very capable of doing comedy, but he's a dramatic actor first. Right. And actually, he he's very dry, and he kind of talks softly. Yeah. So for him to 
just like start breaking yeah is very humanizing and charming definitely and i thought his monologue about saving jazz was really funny and emma walked out yeah and she like strengthened it it wasn't a weird thing no um and uh i thought jay-z killed it yeah i only saw the first performance from jay-z yeah me too but just the fact that it sounds like when he raps it sounds exactly like it sounds on his album is it and there's no weird, like, yelly stuff going on? Is it true that Jay-Z is past his prime musically? No, I don't think so. Because I, I had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine in the summer. They're both hip-hop enthusiasts. And they said it's kind of understood, even among the greatest, that mm-hmm. a rapper has three good albums tops and that Jay-Z's beyond that now. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think even Kanye had more than that, and I, it, it remains to be seen. I think his next album But has be Kanye had telling. three good albums? Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, yeah. Oh no! Well, don't 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 jump in too quickly because he's only had like five, and he's had college dropout, late was, registration. Late registration's great. Graduate's great. College dropout was also understood to be like a four to five star album. Okay. Um, uh, late registration's the one with like Jesus uh, walks, Gold Digger, and Jesus yeah. walks. Um, Graduation's amazing. I love it. It's a great pop record. Graduation's an amazing. And Fantasy's album. really great. That's like perhaps his masterpiece. But I don't think Life of Pablo is great. So that's only oh, that's four, I guess. Life of Pablo was his. Well, and in between there was Watch the Throne. Well, Watch the Throne was. I don't sure, like Watch the Throne. I thought Watch the Throne was stupid. Watch the Throne was like hailed as one of the best hip hop albums of the last ten years. No, Watch the Throne was dumb. I'm proud <laughs> to say it. That is not. That is not the way it <laughs> that's is. That's not the narrative. No, that's not the narrative at all. And I love that album. And I mean, you listen to Paris and it's like one of the most iconic songs. When that comes on at any function, people just I don't think it's a good rap song, though. I know the song. I don't think it's a good rap song. Just start layering it in the background now if you do a deep edit on this with music. <laughs> if I really get carried away. So so there's that. And then there is, so after Twisted Fantasy, uh, was Life of Pablo the next one? No, it was Yeezus. Oh, and Yeezus, Yeezus was, I forgot about Yeezus. Yeezus was really All good. Right, so this theory fell apart a little bit. It totally fell apart. Well, I mean, Kanye is a little bit exceptional anyway, but... He's quite prolific. I, I think, I think uh, Jay-Z, I mean, American Gangster was really good, and I think it was considered his best days were behind him at that point, because he also had like Blueprint, well, like Blueprint, Blueprint 2. Yeah. And I thought 444 was amazing. I haven't listened to 444. And the Black Album was also one of his Black top album. albums. Yeah, okay. All right. Sorry, I'm not trying to be combative right now. I just. But uh, he doesn't get Watch the Throne either because I don't think he it's definitely good. gets Watch the Throne. No, he doesn't. I don't think it's good. Oh, uh, so I was going to segue from Saturday Night Live uh, into Ryan Gosling has comedy chops. The mm-hmm. Nice Guys surprised everybody. Yep. The Nice Guys has been optioned for a TV series. Uh, I don't like how they're doing this a lot. Lately. Wait for it. With all females. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> you said something that's happening a lot and then combined it with something else that's happening. I made it a even lot more 2017. Made, yeah. I know, it's All so right, pandery. Whatever. Yeah. It's so pandery. Can called the nice gals or the, the nice, nice girls? Guys? The nice girls. Okay. The nice girls. I haven't seen the nice guys yet. I, I really want I to. I want to see it. Yeah. yeah, I heard it was amazing. Oh, this is an exciting one for people. Uh, the Good Omens TV series that's in production. Right. Uh, Michael Shannon, David yes. Tennant. Uh, it's a it's a Neil Gaiman book, right? It's quite quite a actually Neil Gaiman Terry Pratchett, right? Um, I think I know I think I know this news. Yeah, go for it then. So um, John uh, Ham Hambone is he's gonna be in the series playing Archangel Archangel Gabriel, no less. Right. 
Is that the cool archangel in this? Angel Gabriel is he or who or, or she or whomever who came to Mary and said, "You will be with child." Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so it's, it's but, the same character. So in Good Omens, but there's a whole series around it that's not just that scene, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I think so. I, I don't think it's just a rewriting of <laughs> the Book of Luke. Well, what what is the show about? The the son of Lucifer. Yep. Um, and the social embattlement that that provides. Okay, gotcha. That's my understanding. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So it's... Um, I kind of like to explore Terry Pratchett a little bit. He wrote this, like, uh, this 20-novel fantasy series called Discworld, which is supposed to be very beautifully written and, and fun and light. Discworld. But I don't know much about it. And that's Terry Pratchett? That's Terry Pratchett. And he... But Neil Gaiman wrote the story, but Terry Pratchett is... They co-wrote the novel. Oh, which wow. is an unusual thing. You don't right. you hear about like movies being co-written all the time, sure. TV shows, um, but never, never, never novels. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, that that's. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Oh, I'm running out of stuff. But did you read fast. the novel? I've never read it. No. Oh, okay. No, I'd like to. I'd like to, but I never have. Uh, they're doing a live action and CGI Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> okay. Is it like a serious thing, or is it like? done by like being done by like hasbro like no it's being done by paramount i don't i don't know i don't know if, if, how serious you're expected to take it like i i would re- be really thrilled to see it uh taken in like a uh 21 jump street kind of ironic right. uh, vulgar avenue sure sonic the hedgehog sure that'd be funny but H- it's, how else but could it's it, how else CGI. could we actually enjoy that movie I don't think it's live action. I have no idea. Yeah, live action, like tick style. (laughs) Yeah. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do we know who's going to be like voicing Sonic Just announced this week. Watch it be like Justin Timberlake or something. Well, if it's Justin Timberlake, you got a problem because like he's attached to trolls and obviously that didn't do too well. Right. Like Justin Timberlake is. Was he a voice in trolls? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if he was in it or just. And also that song. Right. How did yeah. that, that movie was just a, a huge flop? No, I think it did okay. Mm. It okay. was a very big commercial success. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's lots of promotion surrounding it. I know. God. That song, every time I hear it. You're telling me. does not do anything for me. Man, there's not a lot of news. I guess because uh, between hurricanes and... Mm-hmm mass shootings and Trump screwing stuff up. Well, and just late night guys in general having to be so serious every night. I know. Well, that I almost like I do they have to acknowledge it every single time? I think this one. Yeah. This was the I mean it's the lar- it's the largest mass shooting yep. in American history. I know. I just like I'm so I'm so of two minds. One of the minds being like okay, like you're going to run out of ways to approach this thing that keeps happening yeah and two you know i guess it's not your job to do it well i don't i don't agree with that i think that at least among liberal viewers who are is the vast majority of the audiences for these shows right. especially like young people who would watch say conan right uh, they, i know or, they want to see them take Colbert. down trump or they want to see them you know, not, not just that it's not them, just, right? they're seen as the voice of reason mm. because that's what a comedian is especially mm. if he comes out and wears a suit and he tries to break down the news for you in a light way you're being right. the voice of reason mm-hmm. and 
you need the voice of reason to be able to show their humanity in order for them to remain funny. And I think a good example of that is Jimmy Fallon, who has really, really struggled Mm -hmm. to show any kind of personality in his comedy in the last few years to the point now where we just kind of see him as this clown. Right. He's not even so much a comedian anymore. He's just a monkey. Right. Uh, Whereas Jimmy Kimmel can come out and literally cry. Like Jimmy Kimmel's cried three times in a show already this year. Right. But a lot of that stuff's been like because of, you know, the healthcare stuff. Yeah. Or when Rickles died. Right. And in this case, it was because there was the largest American mass shooting ever in his hometown. Yes. And because it it makes it real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was, he broke down. Yeah, I mean he was emotional. Yeah. I wouldn't say he like had to bend over and catch his breath, right. but So what was the what was the culmination of his speech? Cuz I saw everyone sharing it and I It's didn't at this watching. time it's about it's about uh about guns. Yeah, this time. I mean, it, it always is to a certain extent, but it seems like this time it's really struck a chord as if to say why should we expect it to be any different? Why can how can we really claim to be shocked when these things happen? Right. If we're never going to do anything about it. Right. Well, and and I feel like that's the way a lot of people in Canada have reacted to it. Well, the, like we're not super shocked. Look, that's... I don't know a lot about the Second Amendment, but if I'm looking at it objectively, all I can say is that the right to bear arms aside, mm-hmm. you shouldn't need to own a war machine. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't legally be able to carry sixteen war machines into a Las Vegas hotel, right? Without any kind of security and he legally did that you're allowed to have them right in las vegas yeah but 16 of you're them? allowed to have them so he came he, in he with bought 16 them in a store he has was... no criminal record he wasn't right. on any list he just walked into a store called guns and guitars mm. and bought 16 war machines murder machines so when people say you're not talking about a les paul no exactly <laughs> so when people say uh we shouldn't blame the gun. We should blame mental illness or whatever. Or we, or we shouldn't blame the gun. A van can kill that many people. A van wasn't built to kill people. Right. It, its sole purpose isn't to kill people. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have machine guns, is right. to kill a lot of people really quickly. The other side is when they wrote it down on paper that you have the right to bear arms in the States, not here in Canada, they're talking about muskets which you had one shot before you had to turn it up vertically right. and pump a brush down into right. again. You can't kill 59 people. And there was a lot more civil war happening at that yeah. point. Like, you know, it was like, that's what you did to protect your home from also like mountain lions and the Ozarks and stuff. So that seems to be the essence of the conversation with these late yeah. night guys is, uh, I'm sorry you live in a world where someone else's right to have many war machines mm-hmm. is more important than your right. life. What what did Trump end up saying on it? Do we know? I mean, uh, I mean he, he, did. he didn't say anything that wasn't true, to be fair. Right. He said this was an act of pure evil. It's so so terrible. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also didn't didn't call him a terrorist. And that's another conversation so so that's the other thing you know uh news organizations reporting that this guy doesn't fit the profile of a gunman because he's 64 and white right right? but i mean the way i see it is terrorism is it i don't know why it has to be this political thing it's basic Mm -hmm. english if you cause terror if you terrorize Mm -hmm. you're a terrorist it's got nothing to do with 
ra- or racial, political, religious mm-hmm. extremism. Right. But it's also about mental illness too, right? Like I think everyone Clearly. to a certain extent who does, well, pretty much everyone who does this is quite mentally ill. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But the ease of buying guns for someone who's technically mentally ill, although he didn't have any record too. No, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm just... I guess, except for that he out. couldn't have gone into Guns and Guitars and bought 16 war machines with no gun record. You'd, right. Like, you'd think, you'd like, at least you'd have to... So what do you need these for? That's true. And at that point, you know? if, if you're buying 16 guns, is there not, like, a warning flag? Does no one get notified at that point? Like, obviously not. You'd but, think so. But how smart would it be if, like, when someone went in and bought 13 guns, if there was just a police notification... <laughs> They probably should. And they be, right? could go and just like talk to whoever. Yeah. So hey, we saw you bought these things, yeah. but then you know a lot of Americans would be really threatened by that. You, yeah. I have the right to have you get away right. from me. Get out of here, pigs! This is harassment. Right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> Danny Pudi says they're thinking about a community movie. <laughs> Good segues. Yep. <laughs> Perfect segue. It says uh, people are talking. People are talking. Do you, did I ask you if you thought that uh, The Good Place had a real community vibe? Yeah. Because to me, it, it does. And it, like, it just kind of feels like something that as you watch the first season, you get to know more of the characters and the stories start to become a little bit more outlandish. Um, that it, it reminds me more of community. I remember that like community episode that really tied, like got me yeah. into it was the, uh, the pottery episode. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Where no ghosting You're was not allowed, allowed to reference ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I thought was the uh, the funniest episode, and and really had me had me in. We're both caught up on the good place, but without spoiling anything about the twist from the mm-hmm. season finale, because one of our very few listeners is my friend Jade, who's taken to listening to our podcast regularly, and Excellent. she's just started watching the good place. Uh, good choice, Jade. Yeah, absolutely. This new season, again, without any spoilers. How how quickly are they moving? They're moving quickly and so smartly. Yes, like, I agree. It's, it's let's skip over all the frivolities. Let's just go somewhere yeah, crazy. Yeah, and so deep. Yeah, like it is kind of reminding me of Lost. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. And that's and that's what you know. I think we might have talked about it a little bit. That's what Mike Sure kind of wanted. Mm. And he met with Damon Lindelof and discussed. Right. Hey, do you think this is something I could do with a I also wanted to ask you if, in watching the rest of the first season, you picked up on more uh, infinite Jestian uh, qualities or tendencies in the writing. You know what? I'll tell you what I'm a little angry about is that I kind of... I'm not sure I would remember at this point. Because you just blurred through it so quickly. I blurred through it quite quickly. And, I mean, I know that Michael is one of the names of someone in Infinite Jests, and his last name's uh, Pemulus, which is an anagram of impulse, and he's the one who's got a little bit more of a of a um, mischievous side. Okay, that's fair, mm-hmm. but that doesn't archetypically really mirror the Ted dancing character that much. And the name Michael is pretty pretty normal. You're right. You're right. So maybe that's maybe that's kind of a reach. slower. Yeah, it's a bit of a reach. But yeah. but I kind of wonder. I bet if you sat down and 
you know, I, I actually Googled it last week and I couldn't find any articles referencing it. All I could find was the article referencing the one episode of Parks and Rec that he went really crazy on and made everything Infinite Jest related. I don't recall that. Yeah, there's one episode um, where they go to uh, um, Adam Scott's hometown. Oh. Yeah, and I guess that episode has a lot of references. Okay. Yeah. Character cool. names. How how great is Adam Scott in The Good Place? So funny. He's so funny. We were talking. Did I ask you if you watched? Um, you didn't watch Eastbound and Down at all. No, not really. But he plays kind of a similar, like greasy, like agenty character. Yeah, and he's so funny in that too. He plays a good scumbag for yeah. a guy whose perhaps most famous role was such a sweetie. Yeah, yeah, and I think he did the scumbag stuff before he did the sweetie stuff too. Like Eastbound and Down, I think was his like first. Kind of bigger thing. Well, and uh, Step Brothers was before Parks and Rec. That's right. And he was such a scumbag in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's super funny. And I hope he's in the second season a little bit more, too. Me, too. People, mm-hmm. people are catching on. It, it, like, Man, I told like three three or four people about it, and they've all finished the first season so yes. far. It, it's like, just... Well, it moves really quickly, and it's not like most serialized sitcoms, half-hour sitcoms. Right. It's not situational. It is entirely episodic. Yes. It moves from... It, it tells one story, yep. and that's quite refreshing for a half-hour sitcom that still feels very light and vibrant. Yep. Yeah, and, and you got to wonder if they know exactly where they're going. Like I said, I'm not sure if they are taking it episode by episode or if they know this is where we want the end point to be. You know what? I'm not sure there's a, a best a best way to do that. Mm. You, you're inclined to think knowing the end when you go in yeah. is, is, of course, the best way to tell the story. But... I mean, that's the way they did How I Met Your Mother, and obviously a lot of people are dissatisfied with that. Yeah, and, true. like, I think it's uh, The Road, Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a famous literary incident where he just started writing one day and wrote this masterpiece. Wow. He didn't know what was happening until he wrote it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So well, that's how How I Met Your Mother well, and The Road by Cormac McCarthy are very different. Well, hopefully it will be a Cormac <laughs> McCarthy situation on this one. I hope so, too. Um just because you know shows like Sopranos and and uh, others <laughs> don't always necessarily <laughs> get there in the same way. Exactly. Um, so yeah, shows. You want to talk shows? Want to talk shows? It's your turn to pick one. Oh God. Okay, my challenge again, and I was driving over trying to think about what the actual um, premise. No, what not not even what the premise was, but what the character names were. Okay, what show do you intend to recap for us in thirty seconds? Okay, let's do. I'll do Big Mouth. You do Big Mouth. I'll do Big Mouth, but I just need to know the main the character that Nick Kroll plays and the character that John Mulaney plays. Nick Kroll's character's name is Nick. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. And John Mulaney's character's name is Andrew. Andrew. I didn't know if it's Andrew or Alex. It is Andrew. Nick and Andrew. The show is Big Mouth, new animated show on Netflix. Slaney is going to recap the pilot episode in three, two, one, go. Okay, so this uh, story highlights two very awkward uh, uh, teens, preteens in junior high, and just kind of the awkward sexual tension and uh, energy around it. Um, Nick Kroll sees his friend Andrew's, (laughs) damn it. 
sees friend Andrew's dick <laughs> becomes super intimidated. Andrew starts having wet dreams. They go to a dance. He comes in his pants. And da, 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 da. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, um, yeah, I, was, I mean, they're they're they are mid pubescent teens, right? They are like right in the thick of the worst part of puberty. Right. The most confusing, most hormonal, most intense yeah. transition of puberty. Yeah. Um, I loved the, uh, I'll, I'll explain some other parts too. There is a hormone monster. Yeah, that's huge. Who, uh, visits, and it's voiced by Nick Kroll and it's super funny. Uh, he's exclusive he's, to Andrew, which is the John Mulaney character. So, well, in the beginning. Yes. But then at the end, I don't know. Have you watched I've only watched episodes? the second one. Oh, okay. So we have seen another hormone monster in the second episode. Right. But yeah. it's the, is it the same hormone monster? No, we've seen uh, Jesse's hormone monster, which is the oh, girl hormone monster. Oh, crazy. So you haven't seen the second episode? No, I haven't seen the second episode yet. Yeah, I she want she gets it. her period in the second episode, and I suddenly there's the Statue a- of Liberty, which is based on uh, a, an actual story really? of, of one of their friends. Oh, yeah. God. I'm not sure if it's Jesse Klein or... Well, Jesse Klein plays Jesse. Plays that character. But yeah. it's not Jesse Klein. Jesse Glazer, I guess, is the character's name. And, right. and, and Nick's... Nick... Uh, What's his name? Nick Kroll's character is named Nick Birch. So at first right. I kind of thought he was playing a young version of himself because that caricature looks a lot like Nick Kroll with very big lips yeah. and weird buggy eyes. I mean, the character's ca- the show's called Big Mouth, I assumed, because his mouth is kind of weird. Right. Is there a double entendre in the name Big no, Mouth? No, I think it's. I think she, when Jesse's kissing him in the first episode, she says something about how big his mouth is. Oh, that's true, yeah. And that, I, I don't know. You left that out of your thing. recap. Well, well <laughs> yeah, Andrew I, is slow dancing and getting a little too excited while slow dancing. Uh, Nick is upstairs sitting against the lockers with Jesse, and they make out in the most uncomfortable most way. awkward way. Yep. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's <laughs> the family in it is hilarious. Yes, absolutely. Nick, Fred Armisen Nick as Kroll's the dad. Parent. Yeah, and is Maya Rudolph the mom? I guess so. Yeah, that makes sense. They are so funny. Yes. Yep. And I don't think it's I don't think it's anything like Nick Kroll's actual dad because Nick Kroll does kind of like a character of his dad in uh, Kroll Show, and it's like very straight and. No, Nick Kroll's dad is literally like a, a billionaire. billionaire yeah. yeah, literally a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that gets brought up sometimes on like podcasts and stuff. People make fun of him because they're like, "Oh, what did your daddy do this for you?" Like, yeah. Oh, trust fund Nikki. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Anyways, so show was super funny. I thought I thought John Mulaney did a great job in it. He's too. so funny. Yeah. He's so funny. And and it's based on his. So his best friend who he wrote it with, Andrew. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Named it's based and, and the he actually uh ejaculated at oh, a God. dance at a bar mitzvah. That's terrible. Yeah, so that's the story was like pretty true. That's terrible. And uh he's actually a writer on Family Guy. Wow. I think I heard about this. Andrew, yeah. Yeah. And so they co wrote this whole show together. Just Packed with today's comedy stars. I guess it's just one of those easy things that's fun yeah. and and cool. Totally. They're doing a really cool thing uh, on the Colbert show, on the Late Show. Oh, the Pubermy thing. Pubermy. So yeah, Nick Kroll was on last week and they just kind of, it, it appears anyway that it was organic. Mm-hmm. That they would start the hashtag Pubermy. Celebrities mm-hmm. could tweet a pic, an awkward picture of themselves when they were 13. Yeah. And for every celebrity 
uh, PuberMe photo tweeted, the Colbert Americone Dream Ice Cream Foundation would donate $1,000 to uh, Puerto Rico relief. Oh, awesome. So I guess it's going extremely well. We're going to find out tonight, and we'll have found out by the time this podcast comes out uh, how much money that's raised. But it seems like it's upwards of a hundred grand. Whoa, yeah. cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I saw a ton of celebrities doing it. I didn't know the charitable aspect behind it, but that's really awesome. Some good ones. Totally. Some pretty pretty awkward ones. Do you think they're going to do another season of this show? I mean, I've only seen the first two, so I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know how much work it took to throw it together. Yeah, I think people are really liking it. I really like it. Uh, yeah, I want to watch more of it. I'm and, shocked and I, by it, though. I, I heard that the it only gets better after the first episode. Really? Yeah. So I'm, that, I'm shocked by it. I'll say that. I like find I, that. I sat on my couch and I'm like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen something raunchier than this. Like yeah. I, rem- I remember thinking that when I saw Super Bad, I was like, Oh, sure. this is the pinnacle of raunchy comedy. Yeah. And I mean, it's still one of the great comedies of our generation, but there's plenty raunchier stuff than that yeah. now. And this might be the new. Hi, I think. Is there something about cartoons that makes it a little bit more excusable? I've definitely heard Seth MacFarlane talk about that before. You can get yeah. away with stuff that you couldn't get away with in live action right. at all. Yeah. I think yeah, I think this might be the new kind of potential family guy. It's it, it even seems like it's being released on the right medium because it's Netflix. The thing about Family Guy is it's so serialized now. It's so yeah. formulaic right. that they have twenty years worth of material. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this stands to be like a dynasty, but it might be a classic. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, because I was trying to think, you know, South Park kind of, kind of has its own thing. So does Family Guy. But Family Guy, like, doesn't kind of have the same legs. We're I don't a very think, as... season-based television viewing public now. Yeah. We wait around for a chunk of stuff to come out. We consume it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And then we wait around again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And there's so much stuff out there that you can actually kind of afford to wait. Did you identify with this show? Totally. Without getting into gritty details, did you like, do you recognize that extremely uncomfortable pinnacle of, of puberty? Yeah, of course. And, and just the like random like anger with like Jason Manzoukas' character. He's the, the magician character? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was just like, damn it. (laughs) How don't I get this? He's just so emotional. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that, um, you know, even just like the dynamic between just everything. Yeah, it seemed like very, it seemed like a way intensified version of what it really was. Of what it really was, but also maybe not that intensified. I really recognized the uh, the two best buds. Yep. Careful when they discuss it, when they discuss the the developing their development. Yeah. Careful not to let on that they're naive. Right. So like they're talking about like when you're making out and like how much tongue action there should be. Right. They're both trying to play it off like they like they really got tongue. it figured out and they don't know yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah. I really saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah. That that cockiness. That's hilarious. I always felt like I had the reverse cockiness. Really? Which was like I was overly truthful. Okay. Just like, for a laugh. I don't know. I yeah yeah exactly. Yeah. Like well, you guys apparently know what's going on because <laughs> I have, yeah that was it was never me in that position. But. That's so funny because I didn't know you until we were adults and I I picture you if I were to picture you in high school I picture you as like uber confident, plenty of friends, no insecurities in the world. I had plenty of friends, but I I was not overconfident. Okay, and I didn't have 
Especially not in junior high. Junior high, I think, was like the worst three-year period of my life. Well, nobody's not insecure in junior high, but lots mm. of people play it off otherwise. Sure. But some people love junior high and hate high school. I was the opposite. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely liked high school better than junior high. Do you? Yeah. No question. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just... Junior high was... I, there was a while where I was saying that I wanted to be a junior high teacher, like really? uh, Coach Steve. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> With the square hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the t- when the, he's uh, also Nick Kroll. He's, yeah, and yeah. he's really funny. Yeah. And he reminds me of a character he played on Kroll's show that was Ref Jeff. Okay. I, was, I was like, hey, you guys want to go out for like dinner? He's like <laughs> refing a basketball game, <laughs> but always like trying to like fit in. And be, be friends, cool. yeah. And the first episode's so funny. He's so concerned about the dance. Constantly talking about the dance and then like hurts himself. I hope I don't miss the dance for this. <laughs> I know. Good lord. Uh, you thought you were going to be a junior high teacher? No, I didn't. Well, no, I didn't know that. But I remember thinking if I was going to be a teacher, I would want to be a junior high teacher just so I can tell students that this is going to be like the worst three years ever and just get through it. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to. It would be tough because mm. you'd have to really toe the line between buddy and authoritarian but yeah really you just need to be a counselor during those times you just need to be an usher of souls mm-hmm. is there a reason you're acting out right now <laughs> mr <laughs> mr sweets you do know we, do we do you want to talk about it do you seriously like do we need to go through this yeah <laughs> uh i think i think everybody has the i want to be a teacher thing for a time when they're kids because it's the only adult profession you're a hundred percent familiar with totally or you have any familiarity with like even even your parents like you know your parents go off to the office and maybe you've been to their office you don't really know the ins and outs of most adult things except you spend six hours a day with your teacher and you think i could do that totally i could do that yeah i guess that's a good point when you watch um you know a student teacher come in they're like oh we're gonna be here for a month and then we're gonna take it from here when you're in like grade seven, you're kind of like, huh, no, I could probably uh, master that a little bit better than you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're definitely cocky with a student teacher. Yeah. There's a, a girl I went to high school with. I didn't know her very well, but I've, I've talked to her a couple of times since uh, who, I mean, I'm only 26, but I think when we were as young as 24, she was already a full-time teacher at our high school. Oh, wow. And... I just remember being like so shocked by that. And that must be so surreal to her Yeah, to so vividly remember mm-hmm. just being one of these people that now to us look like such children. Yeah, definitely. But you always think you're young. Yeah. Even past when you are. Yeah. I was around my high school last week and I just thought, my God, it's the same. I can never guess anyone's age once I'm like six years past it. Yeah. I have the worst trouble. Like you could... Six years from now, I could be looking at a picture of us right now, and I'd be like, I don't know, we were like 18, 19. <laughs> like, we both have full have beards. No, <laughs> no concept. Well, and when you're in high school, you can look at the entire 1,200-person student body and pick out who's in 10, who's in 11, who's in 12. Yeah. you Just by their heights. Totally. You, you yeah. Can, like, you can just tell. You know the difference. You then. can see the confidence in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think great show. Definitely give my ass to Big Mouth, although not with kids in the room. Holy no, hell. No, yeah, not a show you want to end up watching with. Uh, I actually mentioned that to a parent today, and they were like, I will make sure that um, I don't watch that with my daughter. Yeah. It's like, that's a good call for sure. All right, let's move on to the other one. 
The show is called Me, Myself, and I. It's a new show starring uh, Bobby, Bobby Moynihan and John Larroquette. And I will recap the first episode, which is going to be tricky, I think, because it's a little all over the place. John Larroquette and... Bobby Moynihan. And? And a little boy... And Jaleel White. Oh, yeah, Jaleel White. Urkel was in this thing. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm going to go on go. All right. Three, two, one, go. We see the life of this character from three different ages, when he's a little boy, when he's a middle-aged man, and when he's an older man. The character wants to be an inventor. His dream is to create the next great thing. When he's Bobby Moynihan's 40-year-old age, he's really struggling, living in his garage. His wife has cheated on him, and she's moving his daughter across the country. So he's kind of... Uh, at an impasse his life is falling apart we flash forward to when he's John Larroquette and he's like 60 and he has created the next great thing and he's a huge success we just don't know yet what that thing is yeah and there was this whole other side story when he was a little boy and he had a crush on this girl named Nori totally Uh, this is why I let you cover this one because I wasn't gonna be able (laughs) I love that every time you see Nori there she goes by the laws yes that was funny (laughs) it was funny the first seven times yeah yeah it actually held up every day like as soon as it flashed her and in the end when she turns up as an older lady yep and it plays again it it was cool i didn't see that coming no, I kind of, I kind of thought that that might be what happens toward the end. I kind of figured Bobby Moynihan was going to meet up with Nori again, right? And that, considering he's probably the main character of this show, yes, the bulk of this series is going to focus on middle-aged Bobby Moynihan. I don't know the character's name. I'm sorry. Um, I, I figured it would probably be him getting his life back in gear well and that's what feels like it should be the central story of it so here's my question to you don't you kind of feel like we're ostensibly we're looking into the future like we're looking at the final if we want to know the final chapter don't we kind of feel like we're watching a prequel if we're looking at the middle age i think about this i think about this two ways Okay. On the one hand, it hurts a lot less when horrible things happen to Bobby Moynihan's middle-aged character. Knowing that Because he's... we know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. On the other hand, any relationship he has for this entire series means nothing. nothing. Means nothing. You're totally right. Because we know that he's going to get with Nori when right. he's 60. Yeah, you know that there's, he's not going to get married to someone, or it, not successfully anyway. No. And then have... Uh... But that's also not the point of the character. He's supposed to be discovering himself individually, now separated from his cheating wife. Right. But I, I picture there being two prequels and one main story. And the main story is the final one. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's going to be the case. You know? I would love to watch a sitcom with John Larroquette. But I don't think he's what, going to be in it that much. What is John Larroquette from? He's like a famous theater actor. Yeah. I know him from The West Wing. But he wasn't oh, in the West okay. Wing like regularly, just right. quite often. Okay. Um, he's just like one of those great American character actors with an incredible voice. Yeah. Which is another reason I have a trouble, I have a hard time associating with Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, I'm not one of those people who needs like them to look the same. Right. You know, when somebody is cast as somebody else, I don't need him to look exactly the same bone structurally. Right. But I have a hard time seeing these three actors as the same human. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, I liked all the flashback stuff. Yep, I, I liked thought, all the stuff with the little great. kid. Yep, yeah, the, the, all good actors. Yep, I thought the the brother was really like like funny and charming in it. It's nice that they're pals. That they're yeah. not like adversaries. Right. Yeah. Just like immediately they became pals. I thought 
I thought it was going to be super adversarial early on when he's like, little bro, you're my little bro. <laughs> I enjoyed that fake out where he comes back to pick up his daughter's lunch and he sees the ambulance in his, yes. in his wife's driveway. And you think his wife has died. Right. Because you already know at this point they don't stay together. Right. And she's just having an affair with the paramedic. Oh my gosh. I thought that was a great, a see great the, fake out. You hear the sound and just see the paramedic like uniform on the couch kind of like moving around with it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... Uh, I thought the young stuff was funny. I thought the old stuff was okay. Maybe like, you know, when you're kind of like, you're trying a little bit too hard. Like the daughter's like the GM of the Chicago Bulls, which he obviously loved the entire time and references in every season. That is just Uh, too serendipitous. Yeah. It would be a great twist, a la The Good Place, if they could tell us at the end that this whole John Larroquette storyline is just a fantasy. It's just like... Or this is him in heaven. It's him in heaven or... I don't know. It's it's the the fictional book that he wrote that right. that is actually what makes him successful. Well, or that would be crazy. He's an inventor though. He's not a writer. It's yeah. No, I agree. And where do I know her from? The daughter. Uh, she was in the newsroom. Was she? Yeah, she was one of. Uh... She was Allison Pill's roommate. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um. I liked it a little bit more than I thought I would. I Same. Kinda, I kind of thought it was going to be really networky and formulaic yep. and, and diluted. I said at the end, wow, that was better than I thought it was going to be. It was better than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but I'm calling it right now. It's going to get canceled at seven episodes. Yeah. Yeah, probably. It, didn't it kind of seem not, huh? I don't want to say it didn't seem quite right for for Bobby Moynihan. I also really loved that. The stepfather was the one that he ended up getting a lot of... I wanted to talk about that. That pep talk the yeah. little kid gets from the stepfather... Wasn't that great? ...about failure was yeah. a great scene. And then you know that he kind of looks to the stepfather for guidance like, but, from that But on. then storytelling-wise, I don't really understand the parallel between his mom suddenly getting hitched with this... Uh, was he a pilot? Pilot. With this yeah. pilot guy completely mirroring his ex-wife suddenly getting hitched with this other person. Right. You notice how like the dialogue was the same? Yeah. You know that person I've been seeing? He asked me to marry him and right. I said yes. It oh, was the yeah. it was the same scene. Yeah. But you're right. but in 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 Bobby's childhood case it was a good thing cuz right. he gained a father figure who was a good man. Yeah. And with his ex-wife she was doesn't seem like it's bad. a good thing. Or maybe it becomes a good thing. Who knows? But maybe, maybe, but it she's taking his daughter away from him. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. You know what? I'm going to be interested to see the rest of the season just to know exactly what happens. I'm rooting for the show. I just don't, I don't have a good feeling about it. And part of it's just, it's that theory we have about the existing promotion already. Doesn't it feel kind of weird to watch, uh, like thirty minute? comedy on cbs without any laugh track a little bit like just doesn't quite feel right eh? well when we when we do young sheldon for the podcast you're gonna find it odd that one show with sheldon is a multi-camera sitcom with a studio audience and the other one is a single camera i was wondering that shot like a movie i was wondering if the if it was single camera and if it had a lack it's no this young sheldon is more like the wonder years such that uh jim parsons narrates a la uh, Fred Sapp. I wondered if that happened. I, I, I thought in the first episode that happens, but I didn't know if that continued on. I don't know. We'll save I, that for next week. It actually kind of makes me think I'll like it more. 
I want to like it. I never want to yeah. dislike something. Yeah, apparently Jimmy on the Bill Simmons show, he was saying that he was talking to Jimmy Kimmel about it, and Jimmy Kimmel thinks it's going to be like one of the best shows of the year. He said that of what? Young Sheldon. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I hey, I, I'm not on board. I don't Definitely think so. Not. I have a hard time. Besides the first episode, did you find it weird that when we saw the older version of the stepfather? They didn't recast him. They just used the same actor with old age makeup. Yeah. Like on the one hand, I thought the old age makeup was pretty good. Yep. But this show has already established itself as using different actors <laughs> to create a different world right. per generation. Yeah. What if it was just Bobby Moynihan with makeup and the? They probably saved some of that Larroquette cash. <laughs> I'd have yeah. <laughs> I'd have a very hard time <laughs> taking it seriously with Bobby we- Moynihan just looking like drunk uncle. Wouldn't it be funny if Bobby Moynihan? For some reason, they're like, although he's like 60, they just make him look 100. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is like, he really got his act together physically. Yeah. Like John Larroquette. But still had a heart attack. Yeah, he had a heart attack, yeah. but he's like, he's not as dumpy. In fact, John Larroquette's 6'4", and Bobby Moynihan's 5'7". <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's just not good. Or it doesn't quite fit together. Makes parallel you think, casting. Like, maybe uh, Bobby Moynihan's a producer on this show. Yeah, that might be. Really push for the Larroquette. That might be what happened. Uh, I think that's all I've got for for notes on the the show. There's not a whole lot to say about either of these shows, and that neither one is like really hit the zeitgeist yet. So there's not a bunch of IMDb trivia or anything. No. So I'm really just kind of beholden to my observations. Would, uh, Bobby Moynihan didn't help write this show or anything, did he? He's no, he's acting. not. I don't think he's. I don't think he's uh, involved with the initial development. Right. Though I remember hearing as early as a year ago that he's going to do a primetime sitcom. And I remember thinking, oh, that probably means this is his last year for SNL. Right. Yeah, what did you, what, what did you think of the new cast members on SNL? Uh, well, interestingly, uh, uh, the white guy they cast, I don't know, Null, Chris yeah, Null? Yeah, Chris Null. Uh, he is the first new cast member since 1990, 1981, 1981, to not appear whatsoever in the first episode. Oh, that's an, I was going to say, I uh, when you brought him up, I said, I don't remember seeing him at all. I thought you were going to bring up a skit that he was on in the second half of the show. 36 but. years they haven't done that. They didn't like. They didn't even do the, the stereotypical, uh, the cliche monologue bit where they bring, they awkwardly bring out the three new people. Right, yeah. Or like have them on Weekend Update or something. That's happened before too, with like Bill Hader and Andy Samberg. That's kind of the iconic year. example. Yeah. Now those guys are legends. Right. They didn't. I, neither one of the other two got a ton of screen time. No. Which is fine. But I, last year's newbies, who are still featured players, they didn't get upgraded to main yeah, cast. Yeah. Which kind of like I think that Mikey Day and uh, other dude Alex and, Moffat and uh, and really uh, Via Senor, I think they all could have. I think. I they, think I think they could have for screen time. Yeah. Uh, but I just think that there's. A balance that needs to be kept sure. and we don't need to rush these things it's a bit of like we have our pros especially Alex Moffat and Mikey Day and we don't want to go too insane and start <laughs> bringing everyone up to the A-League when, exactly yeah that's very good you can be a part of the cast now <laughs> oh my god they love my Lorne impression <laughs> it's so interesting and unique to have a Lorne impression yeah definitely um those okay, guys he never laughs on top of the fact that they seem to I mean they were really wise to become friends maybe they were friends already ready when they got cast but they were really smart to get together and go we need to look out let's, for each other let's just like do something together. because yeah. they are they share a lot of stuff they do the, the f- flippity what were they the uh 
Uh, it was like the oh um, fliplets. The fliplets. That was the hilarious. Fliplets was good. That was was and that I, them? Yes, it was yeah. both of them and Ryan Gosling. They stand the chance of being in it for the long haul. Yep. Just be patient. They've done it. I think last year's newbies gave us a bad example of what it's like for a newbie on right. their oh, first year. I think they're. I think they're going to be like a solid part of the cast this year, and like down the road, we'll be like, man, Mikey Day had a great run on wasn't he i think he was on wild and out with nick cannon yeah yeah i think that was where mikey day made his start really yeah. so well pete davidson was a, like a, a he was on that show too he talked about that on wtf oh really yeah i didn't know that pete davidson i don't think he showed up at all in the first he, well he was in the in the digital short about the uh levi's wokes oh yeah that's <laughs> great which was really good yeah uh, and was he on update at all? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. They were so. going in on update though, eh? Like Chase actually taking some heat for calling Trump a cracker. Cracker and a bitch. He was like, you bitch. Like, yeah, yeah. what about Puerto Rico? I know. I, I, yeah, after that sentence, I said, all right, well, they're, set, they're setting the tone pretty early on this one. Yeah, the, the episode just kind of felt a little bit like a mid-season show. It was a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't come out as like a big event. And actually, right. the ratings said the same. It was kind of down from pretty oh, much really? everything last year. I heard that they were doing a David S. Pumpkins special. I heard that also. Is that true? That's is it going to be all David David S. Pumpkins for the episode that Tom Hanks is on? Or are they doing a whole special separate to that? Tom Hanks is not booked to host the Halloween episode or anything. Oh, he's not? No, they're going to do a primetime half-hour David S. Pumpkins sketch <laughs> show. Like the same way they did Weekend Live or Weekend Update Summer Edition. Yeah. They're going to do a half-hour Thursday night just a random one-off with David S. Pumpkins. I guess. I don't know. I hope they're just, like, putting putting four hours aside every week to just, like, spitball and write skits. So it's actually hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I also don't think that they should just, like... I don't think they should mess around with a good thing too to- much. Well, th- yes, 100%. I, there's such a strong chance that after this episode we'll be like... Why David S. Pumpkins isn't funny anymore? Why did they do that? Because yeah. par- part of the reason it's so funny and it really took off is it was so weird, right? Who came up with this very strange idea? Don't mainstream it. Well, the idea that they are trying to mainstream it does make me laugh a little bit. Yeah, like the David S. Pumpkins. But they're special. only doing that because it became a meme. Not, yeah. be- not, be- not, they're not. They're not like forcing David S. Pumpkins down our throats, even though it's not working. Right. No, <laughs> that would. Be oh yeah, funny. we we clearly loved it. Yeah. Yeah, but, but we loved it because it was the little sketch that could. And don't you, know? you find don't you find it weird that they haven't done that with any other sketches? Like there was never a like Wayne's World primetime special, or like, a, yes. or maybe there was, but but of all characters to do one from last year. Like I sort of thought a better way to make David S. Pumpkins a recurring character would be to make him seasonal, to make him like holiday centric. So right. maybe he's not David S. Pumpkins. He's David S. Snowman's. Right. Or like snow snowman's. <laughs> like David Cupid's or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And even that, like yeah, it's it's kind of the way I feel about the the uh recurring sketch that they're doing a lot with Kate McKinnon and the aliens. Yeah. It's starting to really, really lose its like it, it's so formulaic. Although it's still funny. It is. It's, you know, you're kind of like, okay, the first time I was laughing really hard at you talking about how. Absolutely. 
boobs were being poked by aliens. But oh yeah, all the butt euphemisms yeah. are amazing. But it's just another vehicle for for breaking laughter. It's just yeah. it's another one. It's like Stefan. Stefan right. became so popular and and arguably the most iconic SNL character of our generation mm-hmm. uh, because it broke. Yeah, and you remember the ones that break. Right. As much as Lorne Michaels doesn't want that to be the case, you remember the ones that break. They never. If they laugh, they lose time. No, that, was, yeah, that, that got really, really bad. Really fell apart there. You know, if they're laughing, you know, they should be losing. That's pretty time. good. Yeah, that's okay. pretty good. Doctor Evil is just a Lorne Michaels. I know. I just try to do a Doctor yeah. Evil. Well, can we go for a couple more minutes just because I want to hit the hour mark? Sure. I don't know exactly how many more minutes we are away from an hour, but we must be getting close. Oh, there's no clock down the Well, I started it before you got here, and usually uh, I'll cut off the intro because you come into the kitchen for a sec. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else What else is there to discuss? Nothing like vamping. No. Just to, just to add. Yeah. Um, add nothing to nothing. Please don't turn off the podcast. More, we haven't gotten to the best part yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the more television aspect. Hey, have uh, you, uh, have you, did you watch the new episode of Curb? That's back, isn't it? Is it out yet? Didn't it come out this week? No, I think it might come out this Sunday. Oh, okay. I, well, maybe, unless... Was this past Sunday, October 1st? No, I think October no. 1st was Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. No, today's the no, third. No, Sunday so was maybe October it, 1st. Maybe it was Sunday. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I guess somehow, whether it whether it overlaps, crossovers, crosses over with, with Jump Street or not, I don't know. But there's still some kind of men in black reboot in the works mm-hmm. and it was announced this week that no although not even for the first time this announcement has come out once again no will smith will not be attached in any capacity mm. so there's gonna be a men in black it could be michael b jordan could be could be jade boy that smith. would be a it would be a trade-up hey to go from will smith to yep. michael b jordan yeah wow a guy we don't trust to a guy we super trust yeah um, when's the Black Panther movie coming out? I don't know. Okay. Probably uh, next year. Oh, okay. Next summer. Still quite a ways. Um, so do you trust it more because Will Smith isn't involved? I, I'm kind of inclined to. Yeah, mm. I'd, be, I'd be more trusting of it if it could cross over with Jump Street just because I think that's creative. Right. Oh, because they're talking about a world where... They were talking about that. Yeah. And because they're that. both modern comedy buddy cop things, right? Yeah. That's, that's why it worked. Right. One's a, like way more jokey. Yeah. One's like a pure comedy, and the other's like almost like a sci-fi comedy. comedy. <laughs> yeah. Sci-fi adventure comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think as long, if it stars Jonah and and Channing, mm-hmm. and then also takes place in the Men in Black world, it doesn't even have to include Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Right. It's fine if it has those guys and it's just got like Men in Black stuff because that's the next evolution in their uh in their uh, breaking apart of hollywood sequel tropes is right. the crossover is right. the unnatural crossover right it w- is that the way it was laid out in the credits too no not necessarily oh, okay I, I think it'd be funny if they actually tried to follow those that'd be fun it'd be a lot of work yes <laughs> and it would go on forever anyway as long as will smith's not attached we don't have to worry about trusting the project because we never need to trust Will Smith. You should never trust Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah.